Exploring the world of ESG, 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Charlotte O'Mara. Welcome to ESG in 10. Antimicrobial resistance, also known as AMR. This is a concept that you probably don't think of in the investment context, but there are key systemic risks associated with AMR resistance that could impact the risk return profile of an investment. When used correctly, antimicrobials play a key role in treating human and animal health. But without responsible antimicrobial use, disease prevention and research into alternatives, the systemic risks posed by AMR could be extremely disruptive. Joining me in the podcast studio today to share the findings of her research into AMR and its impacts on the investment process is Moana Nottage from Alfinity Investment Management. Moana, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Charlotte. So AMR is not a concept that is easily understood by investors, but when used correctly, AMR can play a key role in treating animal and human health and obviously have an impact on the investment process as well. So starting off, what is AMR and how does it imply to investors? So we started looking at AMR early in 2021 as an emerging research area and we've really developed our thinking a lot over the years and as Charlotte mentioned we've recently published a report that tries to position how it is relevant to investors. There's a lot of of scientific information out in the market, um, some collaborative organisations that are looking to try and integrate AMR into investment practices as well but what the how to what translates into how felt like a bit of a missing piece, especially here in Australia. So while the name does sound complicated and quite scientific, I I really do believe that AMR is quite straightforward to understand and integrate into investment practices once you break it down into the key drivers and the key impacts. So AMR occurs when medicine basically doesn't suppress an infection anymore. This can happen with a different range of microbes, so parasites, fungi, and even viruses, but the most common form um, of resistance happens in antibiotics. So this is because of the large scale of antibiotics used in humans um, to treat bacterial infections, but also because historically antibiotics have been used in animal agriculture for growth promotion, so artificial growth promotion, um, as well as disease management um, in unhygienic conditions, especially in emerging markets uh, where regulation and awareness on the impacts is generally low. So in simple terms, AMR is just about the survival of the fittest. So by humans introducing antimicrobials into a system, you create an environment where the strongest microbes tend to survive. They can multiply, they can reinfect, and they can also pass on these genes to other bacteria as well. And if this happens too quickly, if medicine is input into the system too quickly, the rate of resistance can really outrun the development of and production of antibiotics and other antimicrobials, which leaves this gap in effective treatment and the impact is essentially twofold. So firstly, diseases can become more severe, both in humans and animals, and that that can be transferable between humans and animals as well. And secondly, infections become really difficult to treat because available medicine lose their effectiveness you tie that together with increased severity of disease. And they're already basically untreatable infections 
you might know, like the golden staph infection that remain in your system even if you take the strongest antibiotic available in the market. Wow, so AMR is something that everyone is experiencing every day. Uh, and so obviously it's a naturally occurring phenomenon, but there has been a lot of human interference, as you mentioned, that has made this worse. Um, and generated some systemic risks. So what are some of the drivers of those systemic risks of AMR to human health? You know, we saw the disruptions of infectious disease left on managed through COVID. Um, and it's quite interesting to see that there's growing awareness and regulation around AMR. So over the last couple of years, there's been shareholder proposals filed to large US food companies like Tyson's that are really urging the companies to really take action on AMR and the animal supply chain. And the policy environment is also catching on. They're, they're catching on that this is a systemic risk that if left unmanaged today, could be extremely dis disruptive in the future. And Europe just in earlier this year in June actually put in a target that by 2030, human antibiotic use is to be decreased by 30%. So it's not just antibiotic regulation in the animal space that's emerging. It's also in the human space. And that's because antibiotics used in humans um, could become less effective over time and you don't want these diseases to become more severe. And I suppose why, why I mentioned that is because the regulatory environment is tightening. You've got greater shareholder awareness. You've got a stronger sort of disclosure landscape coming out through companies as well. There are a few Australian food retailers now that have an AMR policy um, and that's quite new to the market. It can impact quality of healthcare, um, the success of treatments and really can place a burden on the health system. Um, and food security is also a potential risk as a result. So disease outbreaks in agriculture can really disrupt our food systems and it can also have an impact on food safety because bacteria can then travel up the supply chain from the farm into the consumer space. And connected to that is, given the global nature of our supply chain, AMR is especially crucial to manage in emerging markets. So as an example, parts of Asia are key manufacturing regions. And in these regions, generally awareness, regulation, sort of sanitation systems um, and healthcare accessibility are low. So if there was to be an uncontrollable and serious disease outbreak there, they could impact um, supply, and ch supply chain stability. And we saw that um, as well as the food security uh, impact really emerge in when, when, when the swine flu um, occurred. So that's a real life example of what can happen. Luckily that didn't spread globally, uh, but it very well could. Yeah, so the consequences of AMR or no responsible AMR use can be quite extreme across the world. Um, and some of those examples you've used there have the potential to be catastrophic globally. So how does this translate to the investment process and how should investors be looking at AMR? And it would be great if you could take us through uh, a company example of how you look at AMR in your own investment process. In ESG, we like to take a materiality view. So we've actually developed a matrix um, to try to simplify AMR into the core ESG considerations. And this is outlined in our research report, but, we'll, but we basically look at AMR exposure and we look at AMR maturity and we try and focus our efforts to the top right. Um, and what's interesting when you take this view is that the food producers stand out from an exposure perspective and as do animal and human pharmaceuticals. 
On the food production side, um, I, I did mention a few impacts earlier, but there's definitely risk from AMR proliferating. I think that decreased effectiveness of medicine could impact food production as diseases can't be managed as they have in the past. Um, this increased severity of disease, as I mentioned before, could impact um, sort of production volume, could also impact sort of the reputation of some of the food retailers, especially here in Australia. And one interesting point that I don't think is really being picked up is that all of this tightening regulation in the ag space could really require new animal farming practices. So a ban from using antibiotics to prevent disease could require investment into better farming conditions, right? So that's more to shift the treatment of animals as preventing first. At the moment, it seems like when an animal does get sick, then you treat it. Um, and it could also shift operations from high density farming, actually, that could reduce food production volumes as we know it, which had an impact on sort of sort of consumer prices um, as well as food availability. I think for the on the pharmaceutical side, it's also really interesting. We've been um, involved in a collaborative engagement with FAIR over the last couple of years, and that's really um, been insightful uh, to really engage with a body that's knowledgeable and does have specific expertise on AMR in the kind of pharmaceutical and food supply chain space as well. But if modern available medicine is made less effective because these diseases don't respond um, effectively or the, the diseases don't respond effectively to the available medicine, companies are going to be faced with increasing R&D cost requirements to try and outrun that rate of resistance or even have decreased revenue from available medication as they don't treat disease in the way that they did before. Something worth mentioning as well is that the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals have two specific indicators related to AMR. These were actually added in sort of 2019, 2020, after the first release in 2017, because um, there is a lot of sort of concern from the United Nations about that um, impact, especially on emerging markets, there's that regulation piece that I spoke about and broader stakeholder awareness on AMR could actually stimulate a shift towards responsible antimicrobial use, which could reduce demand for pharmaceutical products um, and also increase expectation that um, these pharmaceutical product companies really do try and focus on identifying and preventing disease rather than treating it. With the TNFD also gaining momentum, I think the impact of resistant disease entering the natural environment is going to elevate the issue of AMR, especially for farming in close proximity to sort of wild populations, so fishing and aquaculture. I've outlined a lot of this detail in the research report that's available on our website, and that includes questions to ask companies, some of the detail in regards to pharmaceuticals and food production and food retailers. Um, through that ESG and financial lens. We also cover some of the context that's surrounding the AMI issue, uh, as well as the regulatory kind of environment that we're seeing um, and some of the sort of outlining what, how we think about some materiality as well as the systemic risks. That's in incredibly interesting. I think this is an area that all investors need to keep an eye on, particularly the regulatory environment, but also some of these systemic risks in their investment portfolios. Moana, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today and sharing your insights and research on AMR. Thank you for having me. 
And that is a wrap for this episode of ESG in 10. Thank you to Moana Nottage from Alfinity Investment Management. If you like this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. The content today was produced by Melanie James with audio production by Jonathan Stilianu. I'm Shalash O'Mara and this is ESG in 10 with Fedante. Mm-hmm.